What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin, Mike Alexander, back once again to preview another fight night card from Fight Island. Mike, how are you doing on this Thursday evening without football? Pretty good, man. I don't miss the football on Thursday that much. You know, the, the D-Gen in me does, but it's just nice having a solid week of, like, being able to do some prep work and MMA work. And, you know, Sundays are for football, and, and we'll get there. I didn't hate Tuesday night football. Uh, I thought it was kind of nice. I actually, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't miss the Thursday night game one bit. Yeah. Like, the quality of the games kind of suck at times. Um, you know, it's it's nice to get. I'd, I'm one of those people that would rather have the Monday night doubleheader than Thursday night football. Are you yeah. in that boat? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, Monday night doubleheader is fire. Yeah, straight awesome. Love it. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit of news. We have some big news regarding some some fights uh, coming in the future. Uh, we are at Fight Island right now, uh, but first it was announced that we have Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. I believe McGregor initially wanted this fight to happen sometime in 2020. It's not going to happen until January of next year, at least, so it's in mm -hmm. three months. Um, but has the appeal rubbed off on McGregor at all? He has just two UFC fights in the last four years. He's not necessarily hurting for money, uh, but the name recognition is going to draw up pay-per-view pay buys on this one. Um, is this a cash grab for him? Do we potentially see him give it his all? Because for me, it's like he's done so much in the UFC. He's won championships in, in two different divisions. What more does he really have to prove? Yeah, it's 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 about money for both him and the UFC. So the UFC, their hope is that they can get him on a card that is able to have fans at at the event. They're hoping to do it in Cowboy Stadium. Holy crap, of, really? Yeah, plenty of oh, room to accommodate. Insane. Uh, you, you can you can pack the normal number in into a huge stadium, I guess. Um, you know, so that that's a big part of it. They get a great uh, a gate ticket there, and then you know the pay per view numbers are always great. Right. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know why he wants to fight before the end of the year. That worries me a little bit. Like, does he have some kind of legal stuff coming down the uh, pike here? Because he is he's always accused of sexual assault. I don't know what's up with that, but. Um, uh, yeah, like he's always got legal troubles going on. I, there's all kinds of rumors about him with like gambling and the Irish mob and this and that. Like I don't, I don't think he's a dude who's very smart with his money per se. Um, so you know, he does need to make the money. He's very selective at this point about his opponents as well. You know, he took he took the Donald Cerrone fight knowing full well who Cerrone was and that he probably was going to starch him. Poirier's a really great fighter. He's game, but he's not that dangerous to Connor. He's not a wrestler. Uh, he, you know, he'll level change on occasion, but it's not not a guy that is, is going to pose a lot of problems for McGregor's counterpunching style. It actually they feeds fought into, back in 2014. I mean, that was like six years ago, so it's yeah. it's a completely different landscape now. But, like, Poirier can get hurt. Um, and, you know, he's going to come at you. The volume is kind of his deal. That, that's just a recipe for McGregor to have success if you can't um, wrestle him. So, you know... Uh, and he's probably also trying to tread water to just wait to see if he can get a title shot. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, take take as few fights as he can. Don't risk taking a loss because he thinks he's you know the title contender. Uh, another big name fighter, one that's on the up and up. Let's uh, looking like uh, Kamjat Chimeev. Uh, his next fight slash victim could be Neil Magny. What are your thoughts on that one? I know he was calling out, I believe, Stephen Thompson. I uh, forget someone else that he was calling out as well, but I think this could Leon be a fun Edwards. bout. What's that? Yeah, Leon Edwards. They're, they're, Leon Edwards is like the next contender after Gilbert Burns. Gotcha. Stephen Thompson was a former, you know, number two contender, and he's still like top five. But like, Chimaev called them both out, and they were both going, 
you go fight Shemaev. No, you go fight Shemaev. <laughs> like, they're playing hot potato with the beating that's coming their way. Um, yeah, and I like the Magni fight for him. It's, it's, it's actually a safer fight because Magni's not going to knock him out. Uh, Magni's got decent wrestling, but is obviously not going to match wrestling with him. It, it, and it's a good, it's a good spot because Magni's a safe fighter. You know, yeah. the guys he fought have for the most part been guys that are either cans or that they're going to come out and just try and fight you really fast. Uh, that's not Magni. He's safe. He fights from, from range and Chibayev's going to have to show that he has other tools in the bag. Like, okay, this guy is really rangy. I can't just go blast him with a double leg. Um, he's got a good enough grappling set that I, I can't just, you know, work a second takedown. I'm going to have to really work for the takedowns or I'm going to have to show I've got the striking to stand with this person who's, who's you know, decently powerful, rangy for the division um, and could give me trouble. All right, so just uh, looking ahead to this weekend, uh, playbook should be out same time as always. You will yep. have the uh, the DFS cornerman, the wager alarm video; those will be out Saturday morning as well, possibly Friday night. I was actually able to get them up uh, pretty early last weekend. But with that said, we have eleven fights on this card. Pretty good card, um, not as good as last week's or possibly even next weekend's for UFC two fifty four. Still a really good slate. So we'll just dive in. Main event is Brian Ortega seventy six hundred versus the Korean Zombie. Chan Sung Jung, 8,600. It's a featherweight bout, five rounds. This is a five-rounder, right? This isn't one of those weird main events where they're going three? I'm pretty sure I'll double-check that here. Yes, five rounds. Uh, a couple top ten fighters in their division on paper. These guys seem to match up pretty well. Both land over four significant strikes per minute. Ortega tends to eat a lot more strikes than uh, the Korean Zombie. Zombie is a minus 190 favorite. Does seem like the easy favorite to target. Um, price tag's pretty good uh, at 8,600. Are you okay stacking this one in cash? It seems like a spot where we could potentially get 150 to 180 DraftKings points. However, with just 11 fights on the card in cash games, this is going to be a very popular play just to stack this fight. And you may end up on similar cash builds as other players. So, yeah. Are you okay stacking this one? I feel like I don't want to. I'm all for stacking main events. I just don't know if I want to do it this week for cash. I'm okay with it. I think it does have pretty good potential. I mean, you look at uh, Ortega's loss to Max Holloway, where he absorbed the most significant strikes in UFC history, uh, leading to a pretty long layoff here. You know, he's been off for a year, um, well, two years. He was off for a year uh, for that, and then he had the, the knee issue that he had to get cleaned up, and then another year for that. So. We haven't seen him since that starching. Um, but, yeah, he still landed 110 significant strikes um, even in that loss. You know, that was obviously a very fast-paced fight, but uh, it's a good one. Uh, need, both of these guys are super durable. You know, you, you just look to that to that beating Ortega was able to absorb. Didn't get knocked out. It's just, you know, he had to give up. The, I forget if they threw in the towel or if the ref just kind of saved him from himself, but it was the fourth round. And he just had no striking defense and was getting chewed to pieces. Um, Zombie, you know, uh, he's got technically two knockouts in his recent history. Uh, Jose Aldo legitimately did, you know, knock him out. I think it was with ground and pound, if I remember correctly. But he also separated his shoulder in that fight. That was back in 2013 prior to uh, Zombie's Korean military service. So that was his last fight. Went over back to Korea. Did the military service, came back, uh, jumped right back in um, in 2017 with a, a big knockout win over Dennis Bermudez. Really durable fighter. Uh, gets in there with Yair Rodriguez, 
in 2018. Rodriguez took the fight late notice. I forget who the original opponent was. But Zombie pretty much beat the doors off of Rodriguez for 24 minutes and 57 seconds. And then, you know, Rodriguez kept doing this thing where he put his hands in the air to, like, celebrate this great fight. And then would start fighting again. And it just, like, really interrupted the flow. And he had done it the round prior as well. And then started doing it again in the last round. And Zombie's like, no, I just want to fight. I want to knock you out, dude. Stop doing that. But, like, he did the say, like, celebrated too. And it just kind of threw his rhythm off. And he walked into this insane uh, ducking back elbow that Rodriguez threw and caught him on, on the chin, knocked him out cold. A really fluky knockout. Uh, I, I, was, I was poised to win all the monies that night. And, and that knockout was, like, just took the wind out of my sails so bad. Um, so I'll always hold that against Yair for fighting like that. But, you know, that's a win for Jung in my book. Comes back in, knocks out Hanato Mukano, who, you know, at the moment was top five. Now he's kind of top ten, but he's still a very good fighter. Right out of the gate, starches him. Starches Frankie Edgar uh, first round again. So Zombie's not messing around. Like, he knows he's in his 30s. Uh, he He's done his Korean military service. You know, the window is short for him to get back to the title picture. So he's not like in there looking to decision, guys. He's he knows he can take a shot. He wants to see if you can take his shot. And it's just leading to some really beautiful striking. Um, you know, his knockout on Moicano was like he just timed a jab up perfectly, ducked under it and was already throwing an overhand before even ducking. Smokes him. Fights over and, and you know, kind of does the same thing to Frankie. I can't see Brian Ortega having the striking defense to survive too much of that. You know, Zombie just hits too hard. It's it's a lot of straight shots as well. He doesn't put a, a big wind up in, so you don't get to brace yourself for it. Um, you know, which guys that throw big hooks, yeah, they hurt more, but you can also catch more of it with with some of your arm, some of your hand. You know, that said, Ortega is live in every single fight. Um, all of his UFC fights he has been losing, other than maybe Cub Swanson. Um, but he, he's coming back in the third round of all of these fights and snatching victory from the jaws of defeat because, you know, when, when push comes to shove, he can just grab a hold of anyone's neck and choke them out. Um, the only person he wasn't able to do that to was Max Holloway uh, because he Holloway's long, fast, uh, and just too smooth of a striker for Ortega to hunt down. He did get him on the ground twice, but um, Holloway's got good jiu-jitsu at this point, uh, at least defensively. So kind of the same thing here. Chancing Jung, very good defensive grappler. He's got good jiu-jitsu. He's got submissions on his record. I think he actually has eight of his uh, – how many wins does he have? 20? Uh, nah, he's 14 wins. I think seven or eight of them are by submission. So he's no stranger to the jiu-jitsu game. I don't think he's going to get in himself into trouble here if he can avoid it. I think he just pieces Brian Ortega up and probably ends the fight in the first three rounds. But, you know, this could totally go four or five rounds and turn into the that classic zombie slugfest. Ortega's definitely got the chin to, to, you know, hold up his end of the bargain. The thing that worries me, though, is that two years off, following the, the Holloway beating, what's he going to look like? Does he have his confidence? You know, does he have ring rust? You cannot have that against Chancing Jump. Uh, mm-hmm. Zombie will... will, will absolutely snatch your soul so um definitely gonna favor zombie pretty heavily here but you know you got to run it back with ortega occasionally and think about it in cash 
Um, a little bit of breaking news uh, about one minute ago. Cynthia Cavillo tested positive for COVID-19 on Thursday. She is off the 254 card next week. Lilia Shakarova takes her place in the fight against Lauren Murphy. Okay. Interesting stuff. <clears throat> Obviously, we'll talk more about that next week, but we'll move on to the next fight on this card. Uh, Jessica Andraj, 8,400 versus Caitlin Chikagian, 7,800. It's a women's flyweight bout. I'm struggling to read this fight. Uh, my gut tells me Andraj gets the win in dominating fashion here. I say that with a little bit of confidence. Uh, we've seen Chikagian take on the sister Shevchenko this year. She lost to Valentina, but dominated Antonina for three rounds with plenty of volume. But Antonina is nowhere near Valentina's level. Uh, Andraj is coming off back-to-back losses, but losing to Weili Zhang and Rose Namajunas. That's nothing to be ashamed of by any means. Um, but do you think we see Andraj right the ship here? Do we see Chikagian kind of carry the, mo- the momentum of her last fight, which was a dominating win? Uh, I'm picking Andraj to win by decision. Um, I think that of the two women's fights on this card, this is the one I do not see finishing inside the distance. Yeah, tough to gauge. Uh, What's making it tricky is that Andraj is coming up to 125. And interestingly enough, Andraj used to fight at 135 prior to the 125 division existing. She was just too small. You know, she was losing some fights she shouldn't and dropped down to 115. It was very successful. You know, she's, she's, it's tough for her to make 115, but you know, it's because she's got a stocky build. Um, you know, she, she matches, she's still kind of short for even for 115. But it's not unfamiliar to her to fighting bigger women, taller women. Uh, you know, she, she's fought Rose Namajunas twice, um, Carolina Kolkayich, Joanna and Jacek, lots of rangy kickboxers. Um, you know, mixed results. She lost to Joanna, but gave her a good run. Uh, she, beat Carolina one and one with Rose, but that, you know, it was a split decision in the loss to, to Rose in, in her most recent fight. And it was close. You know, she was, she was starting to get to Rose in the third round. If that's a five round fight, she probably wins it. You kind of have to falter though, for fighting that game plan. Um, she didn't get the wrestling going really until very late in the fight. And that's kind of been a, a problem for her at spots is she does try to strike with these other girls that, you know, that they're, they're better strikers. You know, you, you're a good enough wrestler. You're very strong. Uh, you've got a powerful build, and and you can just pick them up and throw them on the ground. Like, just do that. Do that right away. Don't don't get beat up for a while or get knocked out like Weili Zhang did. Go in there and do it. So, you know, it all comes down to at what point does her game plan or does her, you know, her internal clock say, okay, I've got to go do this because Jakegian is not a pressure fighter. She picks at you from the outside. You know, the thing everybody talks about with her is the tennis sounds when she throws a strike and that plays with the judges or whatever. But, um, you know, you, you see her actually winning some fights that she's been outstruck in. Um, like um, she uh, she technically beat you know, uh, Joanna, Cal- Joanna Calderwood, who outstruck her, but a lot of Joannes were leg kicks. Um, but in every one of Calderwood's fight, I'm sorry, in every one of... Chikagian's fights, she's been taken down for the most part. Anybody who's tried to take her down has been able to get her down to the mat at least once. Uh, you know, with the exception of Antonia Shevchenko, who just got wrestle dominated. Um, so you know that makes me think. You know, Andraj, yes, she's gonna at some point look for the takedown. When she gets you down, it's dangerous because 
once she's got a hold of you, she's going to ground and pound. And if you do get up, she's not letting go. She's going to maintain back control, keep her hands locked, and send you for another ride. Um, there is a risk, though, that Andrade just, you know, for a round and a half doesn't decide to wrestle and uh, Caitlin Chukagian could take home a decision. But, you know, that doesn't play for DraftKings for our purposes. And let's right. just hope Andrade, you know, puts the pedal to the metal. Next fight, uh, I'm actually I'm looking forward to this one a little bit. I think we have a nice yeah. little dog here. Jimmy Crute, 9,000 versus Modestus Bukowskis at 7,200. Light heavyweight fight. Crute has won four of his five UFC fights inside the distance, and he comes in as a minus 340 favorite. We'll touch on if he's a safe cash play. Even without volume, a first-round finish could return value. However, Bukowskis has length. He will have a 5-6 to six inch reach advantage over Crute. He's 7-0 professionally since 2018. Uh, you'll remember him because he infamously bludgeoned Andreas Michaelitis with elbows at the end of the first round, I believe, in their last fight in July. Um, you know, he retired Michaelitis after round one. Michaelitis, basically, once they called the round, Michaelitis kind of collapsed and he fell out of the cage, I think. Yeah. He was that guy when they opened the cage to yeah, bring in. They opened the, the door and he was, like, leaning on it and... Yeah, um, I love Bukaskis as a GPP play, but he does get a little careless with his def- defense, in my opinion. Um, more often than not, I might lean towards the discounted fighter with a huge reach advantage, but I don't want to necessarily say I'm sleeping on Krut. Um Definitely worth exposure to both both guys. I think Bukaskis could shock some people with a win here. Very interesting matchup. The, the thing about this is both guys actually are a really bad matchup for the other guy. Bukowskis, he can get his his chin checked. When guys are aggressive, he doesn't really like it. Um, he also likes being the bigger, stronger guy. And yes, he's got the reach, but uh, Jimmy Crute is a freak of nature when it comes to strength. And then on the other side, Jimmy Crute, if he can't get rid of you uh, in the early going, he gasses. He fights a very uh, you know high, not necessarily high pace, but uh, a frantic style. Like he's he's all action, trying to wrestle you trying to, to land very heavy strikes. And we've only seen him in the third, in the second and third round deep really once, and that was against Paul Craig. And, man, he was winded. He had the, the heart to keep going and, and pulled that victory out, I believe, with a Kimura or an Americana uh, armbar. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, could go, it could go either way. So Krut can definitely get it done in the first round. Uh, Bukowski is not aggressive enough to, to really, I think, keep Krut honest. Um, and you know, Cruz got very good offensive wrestling, good offensive grappling, but he does have poor defensive wrestling and he's got some, some, you know, uh, the ability to get submitted. We saw him, Misha Cherkinov hit a really nice Peruvian necktie on him, partly because he was totally gassed at the end of that first round because it was just back and forth frenetic pace. Um, that's not the fight Bukowskis wants to fight, but if he gets into that fight, you know, he's got the length to maybe grab a neck, that kind of thing. I wouldn't say that Crute is a safe cash play, but because of the upside, I'm okay taking that shot in cash. And if, you know, you bust, you bust. Um, it, it's, it's a, it, you know, we're, we're talking about prize fights. There's no such thing as safe. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next fight. Uh, really good breakdown. I'm still going to lead Bukowskis. Uh, kind of agree with you. I'm, I'm still. Yeah, gonna... you, you definitely want some Bukowskis. Yeah, he, absolutely. He, he's one of the few dogs with a legit shot. Uh, next fight is James Krause, 8,500 versus Claudio Silva, 7,700. Got a welterweight bout here. I he was a little bit buzzed after bar trivia Wednesday night and came home, and I was actually building cash lineups stacking this fight. 
<laughs> Stupid on my end. Um, I was curious last night. I'm I'm not in favor of it tonight. Uh, but Kraus comes in as a minus 160 favorite. Floor is moderately safe with him. Um, I have a feeling this one could go to decision. Uh, I trust Kraus's volume a lot more. He lands and eats about twice as many significant strikes per minute as Silva does. But Silva uh, has nine of his 14 wins coming via submission. I do really like the discount with Silva in this fight. Um, I could see it going to the cards. Uh, but with Silva possibly landing a submission, I really want exposure to him in GPPs. I think Kraus might come away with the win, though. I'm going to mix in exposure to both. Kind of a, a bland analysis on my part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kraus's last loss to Trevin Giles was really more about him coming in as a late replacement. I, I think they act, like they found him on weigh-in day. Like it was the latest of late replacements, and you know, to find somebody who doesn't have to cut weight, willing to take a fight, uh, is pretty rare. Kraus doesn't cut a lot of weight anyway. Uh, he was ready to go, I guess. He's a coach. He has his own uh, glory MMA is his camp. Uh, really smart, you know, diligent fighter. Uh, probably is smart enough not to mix it up with Claudio Silva. Um, Kraus does have his, his own BJJ credentials, but really Silva, if you, you know, frustrate him on the feet, uh, he kind of gets bored in the fight. He gets tired. And, and that's the way to go. Like you said, Kraus does bring a decent volume. So I'm pretty interested in Kraus. Uh, the only thing you have to consider is that, like, people have been trying to catch Silva in a UFC loss for years now. Uh, going going back to 2014, you know, he, he, he was a big dog to Brad Scott. He was a big dog to Leon Edwards. He was a decent dog to Nordine Talib. Um, I think he was a favorite against Danny Roberts. But, you know... There's all these spots that uh, people have been trying to to fade him and um, coming up short because he hasn't lost any of them. Um, but I think he finally gets that UFC L here in, in the uh, in the spot. All right. Uh, next fight on the card, uh, interesting one. It's got Cornerman video written all over it. Thomas Almeida, eighty two hundred versus Jonathan Martinez, eight thousand dollars. This is a bantamweight bout. Almeida's a really interesting guy. Back in 2019, he was actually supposed to fight Marlon Vera, but he had to pull out because he said he was having issues with his vision. So he had surgery. He's back in the octagon. This is his first fight in two years, and he's a minus 135 favorite, not a huge favorite. Um, I am leaning slightly in Martinez's favor. I mean, they're, they're so close in price, like you almost have to play both. But I, I think I'll be heavier on Martinez. I'm not too worried about... I don't think a guy would step into the ring if he was still having issues with his vision. Uh, more so, I'm concerned about just the general ring rust of not having fought in about two years. Um, I'd be surprised if this one is finished on the ground. Both guys like to keep it on their feet and just swing for the fences. Uh, given Almeida's reach advantage, he's worth a shot in GPPs. But I feel like the winner of this fight could be on the optimal since I think it finishes inside the distance. For Almeida, it's, yeah, it, it, the ring rust is a concern. And... You know, he, in his UFC stretch from 2016 to 2018, got his bell rung a lot. You know, Cody Garbrandt smoked him uh, on Cody Garbrandt's run up to the to his title. And then, you know, the last time we saw him, Rob Font just deaded him um, with a head kick. So, um, you know, is, is, is he, what kind of... What kind of shape is he in with his chin? You know, he took two years off. That's a really long time. Um, you know, you mentioned the vision, but I think it's really about, you know, I, I, I got to get the cobwebs going and, and be able to take a punch again. 
Um, he is still, you know, not that old. I think he's 29. Yeah, 29. Uh, so, you know, there could be something uh, if he can put it together. But I don't I don't like the fight with Jonathan Martinez because Martinez is kind of coming into his own here. Um, you know, yes, he he smoked Frankie Sines in their in his last fight. Sines is a, you know, an OK fighter. He's kind of gritty and um, wrestle boxer and all that. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that people have had trouble with. And, and Martinez just put it on him with the kicks, just beat him up really good. Uh, his prior fight, he lost a split decision to Andre Yule that a lot of people, myself included, thought he won. And then two wins before that. Really, you know, his only blemish in the UFC was was to Andre Sukmanta, where I think he got outgrappled in that one. It was his debut. Um, you know, it was just kind of a weird situation. And uh, I think he's improved leaps and bounds since then. So Almeida taking on a guy whose star is rising, has got really good kicks. That's worrisome because Almeida just... He rushes in, and he was so used to coming up because he came up in Brazil, and a lot of these Brazilian fighters get fed, you know, really nice cans right down the line until they've got this 16 and 0 record. Then they jump to the UFC and they get some more, you know, winnable fights. But you know, eventually you get put in there with a Cody Garbrandt and a Rob Font, and and your true colors have to come out. So Martinez not on those guys' level by any means, but I think he's a problem for Almeida in that as soon as Almeida engages, the kicks are coming back his way. Mm-hmm. I think he's going down by knockout in this one again. Pretty much agree with that. Next fight on the card, a couple hard names to pronounce. I'm going to do my <laughs> best. We've got uh, Matuj Gamrot, 8,900 versus Guram Kutatelaj, uh, 7,300. It's a lightweight bout. Both fighters make on the UFC debuts here. Uh, Gamrot is a minus 310 favorite. Neither fighter is necessarily considered an elite up-and-coming prospect, as they're both in their late 20s. Uh, Gamrot's highlights are pretty impressive. He loves to advance and come swinging at his opponents, but and when the tables are turned, he showcased some above-average defense and caught his opponents as they come at him. His ground and pound is very good, so it's easy to see why he's the favorite tonight uh, if he can get this fight to the ground and get on top. However, I will say that Guram is worth a GPP sprinkle or two. Um, If you've seen his highlight reel, it just seems like all he needs is just one head kick. He loves throwing head kicks. Um, And about 60 to 70 uh, percent of of his wins, you know, he either knocks someone out or knocks them down with a kick. Uh, So that pretty much is his path to victory if he can land one of those as well. Um, probably going to lean Gamrot here. Um, and we'll probably have more exposure to him, but I, I do love the upside as a cheap play for Guram in this fight. Yeah, Guram Kudalades knows what he's about. Uh, it's it's he calls himself the Georgian Viking, and, and that's Georgia the country. Uh, he comes to bang. He might not have the smoothest striking, but um, dude, dude wants to hurt people. Gamrot, yeah, it's all about what kind of game plan does he come in with? Because, like you said, he's he's got good ground and pound. His wrestling's fine, um, you know, not not impressive per se, but uh, he doesn't need it because Kudalaz gets taken down a lot. Um, uh, but interesting uh, uh, note, I I believe that Gamrot fights out of. Let me just double check. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Guram fights out of the same camp as Chimaev. So, um, you know, maybe maybe some of Chimaev boys get in the rub here. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when the UFC likes you. Um, but, you know, that's I, I, Gamrod's the guy that should be favored. If he gets this fight on the ground at all, it's it's trouble for Kuda Leeds. And um, 
probably, uh, I wouldn't say a safe bet on, on Gamrot, but definitely the deserving favorite. Like you said, uh, Kudelades is definitely one of the guys that you want to consider as a dog because if he wins, uh, it's 100 points. Love it. Awesome. Uh, definitely going to be targeting uh, Kudelades in that head kick. Next bet on the card, second women's bout is uh, Jillian Robertson at 8,700. Pretty high for her. Versus uh, Pollyanna Botello, 7,500. It's a women's flyweight bout. I'm going to break my own rule uh, with not playing Canadians. I am going to get some exposure to Robertson. She's a minus 225 favorite. She's worth a little exposure. I'm not going to go super crazy. Uh, she's fighting out of Florida, I believe, so she's not having to endure too many COVID training restrictions like we've seen most Canadian fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, Robertson hasn't had, hasn't has never had a fight go to the cards in her time with the UFC or in the Ultimate Fighter. We could easily see another patented yet surprising submission in the women's division in this fight if this gets to the ground. Um, I'm guessing it would come in favor of Robertson. If looking to spend down in GPPs, I or even cash, I would not go to Patello. She never really returns tremendous value, save for one TKO over Siri Kondo two years ago. Um, she was submitted by Cynthia Calvillo in, in her decision when she just hasn't provided volume, which we normally like. And so I feel the only play in this fight would be Robertson. I normally like to get exposure to every fighter at least once if I am building more than 20 lineups. However, this one is just an easy one where I can easily fade Botello. So, you know, with Botello, what it comes down to is can she stay safe long enough to make Jillian Robertson quit because that's the only issue for Robertson. She's a really strong wrestler. She's got good submissions. For some reason, though, she just gets in her own head once in a while, you know, every few fights, and will will you know pull a pull a stunt as uh, some folks like to say. And uh, you know you can't falter for losing to Macy Barber. Macy Barber was at the time a very hot prospect. Mara Blaine Silva, a very good grappler. So, again, you know, not a bad loss. She's got a lot of decision loss to Cavillo. Um, a, a lot of that, that quitter reputation came from when she was on the Ultimate Fighter. I don't buy into that, per se. I, 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 I see where it comes from, but, um, you know, Patella would need to have taken a, a pretty big step forward to make uh, this fight. Uh, to make give herself a shot in this fight, so Robertson probably either by decision or by or by a late submission. I love it. <clears throat> Next fight we got a uh, Jin Young Park eighty eight hundred versus John Phillips seventy four hundred. It's a middleweight bout. Not particularly uh, enamored with either fighter here. Park is a pretty solid favorite at minus two fifty five. Phillips is one and four in the UFC with a lone win coming via a fourteen second knockout in Copenhagen about a year ago. Uh, that was John Phillips and Alan Adamovsky. They were just throwing punches early in that one. And Rock'em, sock'em, robot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone was bound to get knocked out, and it just so happened to be Adamovsky. Uh, Phillips landing the TKO, but three of his four losses have come inside the distance. Uh, Park was actually supposed to fight Trevin Giles back in Austin, but or August, not Austin. Uh, Park had to pull out due to travel restrictions. And this was a this was the notorious disaster card where Giles actually fainted prior to walking out to the ring, and so it, the fight was pulled at the very last minute. DFS players were up in arms about that one. Uh, I'm reading this one is going to the cards though with minimal volume for both guys, unless Phillips tries to just basically throw down early like he did for Adamovsky uh, just to score the KO. Just not really feeling uh, like I have a great read on this fight though. 
Right. So the the thing with John Phillips, he has zero to less than zero wrestling. He just doesn't care. It, it's everyone who has beat him in his entire career, including all of his UFC losses, they have just taken him down and either beat him up like we saw Chimaev do, or um, you know Kevin Holland, Charles Bird both choked him out. Um, He's got plenty of, of submission losses back in the, the um, British regional scenes. Uh, and the only guy he went to the cards with was Jack Marshman, and that was really because you know Marshman has zero wrestling of his own to speak of and is, is another Welsh boxer. Got totally flattened in the first round, and instead of punching Marshman while he was down, Phillips decides to take a bow. Marshman grabs a leg while Phillips is busy taking a bow and just kind of like pushes him up against the cage for a while and is able to recover. Comes back because Phillips has no cardio and wins the second and third rounds. Um, that's, that's what you're dealing with with John Phillips. The guy is, you know, he's like something out of the movie Snatch. Just like doesn't care, is wild, just wants to fight. Um, so Jun Young Park has got the wrestling to do that. The question is, does he do it? Um, Park, everyone's getting this read on the fight. Park took Marc-Andre Burial down five times in their fight. That was his last win. He's going to come out here. He's going to take John Phillips down. The way I see that fight, though, Park was really going to the takedown as a secondary um, option. It was He was trying to strike with Burial. And then when he got the opportunities, he would, you know, throw a sloppy-ish takedown out there. Sloppy takedowns are enough to beat John Phillips. They're enough to get him down and to submit him. Does Park probably do that? I would concede yes. But it worries me at the price. And it also worries me that if he does try to kickbox with John Phillips for any amount of time, Park is very, very hittable. He doesn't move out of the way very well of strikes. I'm going to have some GPP John Phillips because his ownership is going to be like 12%. It's going to be insanely low. You, know, you think it's going to be that bad? It's No one wants to roster John Phillips. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a suicide mission. But if Phillips cracks Park in the early going, it pays you know, Phillips has got that kind of power. And Park has got a freaking iron chin. You know, he's, he's shown it. Um, but... You know, Phillips. I mean, if he does get a first round knockout, that's over twelve x value. Yeah, it's it's you you it's a must have. So it's the kind of thing that could flip your night on its head, and and definitely make you one of the ten percent of people who actually have a shot to win the tournament. Um, okay. So it, it it's worth a sprinkle of Phillips, but if not, it's parked by submission in the first or second round. Awesome. Uh, next fight is Jamie Malarkey, 8,300 versus Farej Zayam at 7,900. This is a lightweight bout. Um, another fight I'm not that impressed with, although I feel like this one gets a finish inside the distance. Both fighters are 0-1 in the UFC with both losses coming over a year ago. So it's almost like the UFC just completely forgot about these guys. Is this potentially a fight where we see the loser go home? According to Tapology, both fighters are ranked outside the top 100 in the world in their weight class. So this is telling me that this is an opportunity to impress Dana White. Uh, Zayam uh, recorded inside the distance wins in four of his last five fights prior to the UFC. Malarkey, four straight wins inside the distance before the UFC. Obviously, these are motion, so take it with a grain of salt. 
Uh, I am feeling a finish in this one, and I may lean Zion because of the slight discount, but I'll play around with a little exposure to both. I just don't know a ton about these guys. Yeah, Malarkey will be useful anytime they go to the the Pacific. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll slap him on a card. And to be fair to Malarkey, I, I considered him a can. Um, but in his fight with Brad Riddell, he did show a, a good amount of growth. Um, you know, there, there was some wrestling there that was decent. He hit Brad Riddell in some spots. Um, I think the big difference here is that Riddell is not a very tall guy, uh, not a rangy guy. Zayam is. So this all comes down to what kind of grappling defense does Zayam have? Because he did not have it in his debut uh, against Don Madge, who just held him up against the cage for most of the three rounds, did hit a couple late takedowns. And that fight was in the Middle East, uh, in Abu Dhabi, when they had the arena that had no climate control, and it was like 100 degrees in the cage. So everything was like fluky from that card. You know, Don Madge hasn't been offered a fight since. You know, he's supposed to be like an exciting Muay Thai kind of style kickboxer, and he just, you know, leaned on a guy against the cage for 15 minutes that's 22 years old. Like, that's not what the UFC wanted. So Zion, yeah, definitely needs to show he can at least have an exciting fight. He can stop some takedowns. Um, and, and not even stop takedowns, just, you know, be able to to separate. Because he was grappling half decent with Madge in their fight, but he would turn, you know, he would turn Madge around and press Madge back up against the cage instead of separating, you know, push away, strike with an elbow, uh, offer a kick, do something, and, and get some distance. He was 22 back then, so, you know, now he's 23. He hasn't had a fight since, but you assume he's been training for some of these deficiencies. And Malarkey is a beatable fighter. I think I think the crowd is pretty heavy on Malarkey um, because they think, you know, oh, he had a good showing against Brad Riddell, who's a very good fighter. Zion had a fairly mediocre showing against Madge, who's not a great fighter. you got to be careful with MMA math. It's it, It'll bite you. I think Zayam could be live here against Malarkey. Malarkey's he's improved his striking, but it's not going to be on Zayam's level. So if if it if Zayam can shut down the takedowns early, keep some range, uh, he could certainly cause problems for Malarkey. Finish him inside the distance. All right, next fight, uh, kind of an interesting one here. We have Maxime Grishin at ninety one hundred, very heavy price tag for a guy in his position versus Gajimarad and Tigilov. seventy one hundred. It's a light heavyweight bout, but Grishin is actually coming down from heavyweight, and he's a big minus three sixty five favorite in this bout. We last saw him in an absolute snooze fest <laughs> against Marcin Tabura at UFC two fifty one. Twitter was lighting this fight up. I mean, the comments on Twitter just about how boring and dull this fight was. It got to the clinch so many times, and neither guy provided uh, much offense. Uh, Grishin will have a pretty solid four-inch height advantage and a five-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, so you do like that aspect of it. And Tigilov uh, himself is a kind of weird and mixed bag of results. His last five fights in the UFC have all ended in the first round. He is 2-3 and three in that span, and uh, those three losses have come in his last three fights. So this presents some upside both for him and for his opponent. Um, not crazy about Grishin in cash games, despite Vegas loving him so much. I'm going to play both in GPPs, but I do love the fact that Antigulov is, is at least consistent enough to finish his fights on the winning or losing end in the first round. Yeah, so props to uh, Cody Saftik for, for some of his info on this fight. Uh, the two things he... 
aptly pointed out, uh, Antigulov, listed as 33 years old, definitely not 33 years old. Um, he is 43 years old, perhaps. Uh, wait, look at, what, wait, 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 what? He's listed, his birth date is listed as 1987. Um, no, no way is he 33 years old. Um, so, you know, dude is very shop-worn. And the other thing is uh, his, he's got a bum leg. Um, and that explains the reason that he comes out and just has to go for broke in these fights. Um, you know, and if you either win very early or lose very early, like, you, you can't get exposed for not, not being able to move on that leg. Um, if he were stretched out at all in a fight, it would quickly become evident. Sorry, I, I am just kind of, like, realizing this guy is definitely not 33 years old. Yeah, you, you look at him and you're like, I mean, even for a Russian or whatever, I think he's Russian. Yeah. Uh, I think he's Dagestani. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, that's, you're not 33, my friend. Um, I'm 37. Uh, you are definitely older than I am. <laughs> but, um, you know, he came into the UFC and, and, you know, got two really quick wins. Got some, got some, you know, win bonuses and, and some, uh, some finish, uh, submission of the night bonuses. And, okay, that works great. And then Ion Kutalaba and Mikhail Zajacek are definitely a step up in competition. And they smash him right away because he does the same thing. He goes out, he tries to take him down right away. Can't do it, gets destroyed. Um, Paul Craig, his last fight, interesting. Craig, not a very good striker. Um, he goes out and he does the same thing, tries to take him down right away. Succeeds, all right, we're in business. I've actually got a good amount of anti-Gulov. He's going to get Paul Craig on the ground and submit him. Well, uh, he can't really pass Paul Craig's guard. Hangs out way too long for a guy who has multiple triangle finishes in the UFC gets triangled uh, a couple minutes in, but you know, it's, he didn't, he didn't get up out of the triangle because he got the fight to the ground. If you got a bad leg, you're not going to get back up and, and try and do it all over again. You got the fight to where you wanted it. Now you got to mm -hmm. either, you know, you're going to live by the sword, die by the sword. If it's on the ground, uh, you got to make it happen now or never. So Grishin for all the heat he took in that Tabora fight, you know, he's a 205-er fighting a guy that's 255, 260, um, late replacement. And, you know, a dude that can, can pack a wallop. Uh, he's got a good head kick, Tabora. And really, Tabora just grappled him, was the bigger man. He knew he didn't have to take any risks. And Grishin was like, well, I mean, if this is what you're going to do, and I'll collect my, my 12 grand, and, you know, hopefully the UFC will give me another call. And they did, and... You know, here's here's a makeup. You can take on Katsumar and Tigalov, who you can just kind of stare at for a few minutes, and once he shoots a takedown, you stuff it and smoke him. Um, so, you know, Grishin is the play for me. I guess there is uh, some chance that Tigalov does manage to successfully complete a takedown and, and lock in a submission because he does have the jiu-jitsu to do it, but it's, it's a pretty long shot at this point. I think Grishin... You know, is a is a good kickboxer, uh, very you know, very mindful of his strikes and, and opportunity presents itself, probably knocks him out. It's not gonna be a huge number unless it's you know, a knockdown in the first round and you know, uh, scoring a hundred points that way. But Okay. Christian's the play. Overall, do you think that he'll fare better as a light heavyweight? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Tabor is a, a tough a tough guy for heavyweights to deal with with his grappling. <clears throat> You know, you, you, you take a guy who's got a it, – it's not a 50-pound true difference because, obviously, Grishin cuts weight to 205. 
he had fought at heavyweight before. But, you know, um, I think he weighed in at 225 for that fight. So it's still 25, 30-pound difference. It's big. All right, opening fight on the card, the one I love to target, uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov uh, of the Habib family. 9,200 versus Mark Striegel, 7,000. It's a bantamweight bout. A lot of people are going to pay up for Saeed's last name, um, but we haven't seen him fight in about 10 months. He's 2-1 in the UFC. He's coming off, off a loss via decision back in September. For this one, though, he's a minus 240 favorite. Obviously carries the lofty price tag just because of his opponent's lack of competition and because his last name is Nurmagomedov. Um, are we just paying up for the last name here, though? Uh, we've seen decent volume from him in three fights. Good, not great, but zero advances, just one takedown, one knockdown. Good wrestler, though. Um, but I don't necessarily want to sleep on Striegel either. Um, he's probably fought cans in these, you know, these bullcrap promotions. But he's 18, to, he's 18 and 2. Nine of his last 12 wins have come via submission. If you watch his highlight reel, if he can get this to the ground, his submissions are actually really impressive. He's kind of like a, I'm not calling him a choke artist in the sense that he chokes in big fights or in big moments. He is literally an artist via his chokes and submissions. Uh, it's, it's an opener, so I'm going to have a lot of exposure to it just to see if I can get this one right. Going to play a little bit of Nurmagomedov, but I don't hate the price tag on his opponent. I'm probably going to be incredibly wrong in, in sticking my foot in my mouth. But Striegel is a dog here I want to get exposure to. Definitely. You, you definitely want to think about Striegel. Uh, like you mentioned, he's not Khabib. We've seen plenty of guys with the Nagamadoff last name uh, fall flat on their face in the UFC. Um, I, you know, I, I forget. It's hard to remember who's actually related to Khabib and who is a quote-unquote like cousin. cousin. Yeah, they, they, they all call each other cousin, uh, you know, in, in Dagestan when you're, um, you know, close like that. So it's like, yeah, you're my boy, my cousin. Um they may not be blood relatives. I forget. It's, I think it's been cleared up, but I can't remember off the top. I feel like of I could change my name to Dan Nurmagomedov, and DK would give me at least a $7,800 price tag. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you got to remember odds makers are making a line partially because of what the public is going to bet. And you know, they see a, a Nagamedov taking on a dog, uh, a guy, can. Uh, you know, a guy that has never fought in the UFC, and they're like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, that's 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 who I want to bet. But like you said, Striegel, uh, he's hasn't fought in the best promotions. Uh, he's been nope. over in Asia, just you know, kind of schooling fools um, that that can't really stand up to him. But like you know, his his last loss was when he went to one championship, which is a step up. Um, but you know, he stepped up, went two and one in 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 one championship. Then he goes you know back to URRC C U U R C C whatever that is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you know he's he's submitting guys that it, a lot of Asian fighters don't have the the ground chops, the grappling. Um, so if you've got any, you can just have a really nice, easy path to victory. Um, that said, though, Saeed, outside of his his flashy kick game, because he does very lethal kick game, um, you know it, it's not there's not a lot to write home about. So could Striegel get head kicked here? Could he get you know caught in the midsection by a spinning back kick that that catches his liver? Totally. Uh, you know, uh, Ricardo Ramos learned that the hard way, and and Ricardo Ramos is a legit UFC caliber fighter. So um, you can't say 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 he doesn't belong in the UFC. He's absolutely be 
two very good UFC fighters in Justin Scoggins and Ricardo Ramos. But uh, Hannah Barcelos, his last opponent that beat him, was really giving him a hard time. Barcelos, very good fighter, um, tough dude, kind of got into the UFC too late to make a title run. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that, that is, is definitely considered one of the better fighters in the division. So, you know, you can't you can't ding him too much for that loss, but like, you know, you had a guy that hurt him with hurt you with leg kicks, used some grappling, and um, you know, you, you weren't able to, to overcome that adversity. What happens when that when that occurs again? Striegel could definitely duplicate that game plan uh, and score as a dog. All right, uh, that covers uh, every fight on this card. We'll head just to the typical final thoughts. What's your cash core and value plays uh, looking like for this card? Uh, so Zombie is on the cash core, even though you've got the risk of Ortega submitting him. If you want to, if you want to play it safe, you just stack it. Uh, I think, I think there's a good enough chance that it sees the third, fourth, maybe even fifth rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about Crute. Uh, is he a guy that is somebody worth paying for in cash? Because he can score so much in a finish. My opinion is yes, even though it's not as safe as a thing as you usually like. Jillian Robertson, not a bad cash play because Botello, you know, doesn't offer a lot on the way back in terms of danger. Um, and, you know, if, if Robertson, Robertson did fold, it would at least be late in the fight. So you'd hopefully have some takedowns, some grappling to, to at least put in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, Grishin, you know, it's it's a it's not a not a slam dunk because Antigulov definitely can submit people. We've seen it, but uh, again, you know, uh, we think there's some definite deficits in in his <laughs> in his profile that Grishin or any fighter that has two legs should be able to exploit. Awesome. Uh, just real quick, which fight are you looking forward to the most on this one? Looking forward to the most, I'd have. To- Bukowskis, that's going to be a really good one. Um, two amazing athletes, uh, guys that can definitely hit hard and should be a very fun fight. Um, a little curious to see if John Phillips can, can pull off the upset for me as well. All right, good stuff. Uh, Mike, thank you for your time as always. Uh, tomorrow's Friday, so we'll obviously be on the, the lookout for the playbook. Maybe not be out until like later Friday. Um, but thank you so much for your time as always, and uh, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation.